welcome back, Fright or Die listeners. I'm here with Kat. Say hi, Kat. Hi, guys. I'm still here. You guys haven't gotten rid of me yet. (laughs) Not yet. Um, And we have the wonderful Mason Deaver on the show today. They are the author of the upcoming I Wish You All the Best, which is out May 14th, 2019 from Push Scholastic. Mason, what's up? How are you? I am doing very good. A little nervous, but trying no, to. Don't be shake nervous. That. <laughs> don't be nervous. Um, the audience will not hear this, but I tried to do the intro and I messed up. So you're not allowed <laughs> to be nervous because I'm a dork, and you've already listened to me be a dork. So um, we're I'm just... already starting a petition for your mess up to be included in this in this episode. Oh, it's please, not. I'll sign that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Or maybe it will. (laughs) Mason, I wanted to tell you how much I absolutely love your book cover. It is amazing. I absolutely adore it. It's stunning. I love everything about it. It's whenever I sent, I was in the email, like I cried. I sat on the floor and I cried. I feel, I feel like, um, which one is the character that is looking like at you? Uh, that's Ben. Okay, oh, yeah, I feel I like I feel like Ben is hypnotizing you into buying the book with um, their eyes. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, take my money, Ben. Just take it. And the I hair. Think that's what they were going for. <laughs> yeah, the it's, hair is epic. The hair I is can. amazing. I love everything about it, and I also super love the colors. I'm a big fan of purple, and I just I don't know. Everything is just really pretty. It looks almost a little retro but like in the best way possible um but yeah everybody go look at mason's cover now (laughs) (laughs) what are they talking about (laughs) um um, so mason you have such an interesting um publishing journey because there was like a lot of hype for your book before the book was even like with an agent or with a publisher, (laughs) um, which is really cool. And you had some like big name authors sort of like talking about the book beforehand. So can you just take us through sort of um, writing? I wish you all the best. And like how you decided to sort of like write your identity into it, because I know Mm -hmm. that that wasn't always a a part of it um, from the beginning and like what sort of pushed you to do that. And I just want to know, everything tell tell us all your juicy secrets and just everything that you've never told anyone ever right now (laughs) all of my secrets all of them um well i i started writing i wish you all the best um actually in the summer of 2016 um it was originally a college age love story between Ben and Nathan. They've always been there from the beginning. So that's something. Um, but Ben was a cis boy who was coming to terms with his sexuality. And it was a lot of the same setup almost where Nathan's almost an interloper in a way and kind of pushes Ben to experience life a little bit more and they slowly fall in love with one another and ends with an epic kiss. Um, but there was, there was something about writing that story that I wasn't even connecting with myself. Um, Mm. if that makes any sense at all, like I didn't totally, I couldn't, I couldn't get into Ben's head. I didn't really know who Nathan was or any of the side characters. Um, so I, I shelved it for a while 
and then cut to around November, December of that year, 2016. And um, I had kind of started coming to terms with the fact that I am non-binary. Um, and I thought that a good way for me to sort of get these feelings out would be to go back to this story. So I, I changed a few things around. Um, I had picked up, I wish you all the best a little bit. And I had switched it over to a young adult story. So it's set in high school now. Um, but things were still the same. Ben was still a boy, still been a Nathan falling in love. But, um, I decided to make Ben non-binary. And um, instead of the original story where Nathan was a new kid at the school, uh, Ben was the new kid. And, like, you know, how does Ben become the new kid? They're kicked out of the house because they try to come out to their parents. And um, a lot of a lot of things are kind of the same. Um, there's still a very good epic kiss at the end, if I do say so myself. Hey. Um, but I, I finished writing that in January of 2017. So it was a very, it was very fast. Um, and that's whenever I started using the hashtag NB love story on mm-hmm. Twitter, just cause I had been talking about it a little bit. So I decided to claim that cause no one had used it. Um, and from there, uh, a lot of people kind of, a lot of my, a lot of people who followed me and friends I had made um, started kind to pay attention to it and asking me about it, and um, had a few people beta read it to make sure it wasn't a completely unreadable mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, from there, it just kind of grew to something that kind of got a little bit out of my control, I think. But um, yeah, it was it was very very strange. Um, I mean, at one point, um, Becky Alvertali, uh, she asked me to um, do a sensitivity read for Leah on the offbeat, and she offered a sort of exchange. She was like, you know, um, the publisher would be more than happy to pay you, um, or I would like to, you know, take a look at the book and maybe give you some feedback and maybe that could be cool if you're up for that. And I uh, yeah. really 100% <laughs> agreed to that um, without hesitation. <laughs> yes. Good. I'm glad um, that's what you chose. Cause I would have been, the rest of this interview would have been me yelling at you for not. Really understandable. <laughs> um, but so from around, I think I finished editing the book in March or April. Um, that was whenever I decided that it was readable to me and I didn't totally hate what it was. <laughs> um, so I started to query probably a little too soon, but you, you know, there's not really a guide to. Yeah. How I, I feel like so many people query before the mm-hmm. book is really ready. Anyway, that's like, a common thing. I think it's pretty much almost everyone does that. Oh yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, I'm here today, so maybe <laughs> it, w- it wasn't the wrong time. <laughs> it, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my, my query process was not as long as some people, um, usually take, um, 
like comparatively at least. Um, so I started querying in March or April of 2017. I got a lot of form rejections, um, a few people requesting like the first 50 pages or, um, you know, even twice I got the, the full manuscript and, um, all rejections. Um, I entered, I forget which contest happens around that time. It was either pit mat or DV pit. Um, I entered that, got a boost from Becky Albertalli, which was very strange, uh, but a very cool thing that happened. Um, and around, I want to say the end of June, I got a revise and resubmit from an agent named Roseanne Wells. And she said that she really enjoyed the book, but, you know, she had a few things that were, that, that really I didn't see were a problem until she had like laid them out for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's yeah. Like that's. I think I remember this. I think you asked me questions when this happened. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And I was, I was, it's all coming back to me now. Okay. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I <Mood>. will. <laughs> Just the, the permanent mood. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will give a little bit of advice if I can. If an agent gives you a revise and resubmit, take that and run with it because that is free critique from people who know uh, what they're doing mm-hmm. most of the time. So if you get a revise and resubmit, then definitely take that. Um, but this is where it gets a little complicated. So I worked all month on the revise and I was getting ready to send it to Roseanne. I sent it off and I got another email from an agent named Lauren Abramo, who, spoiler alert, is my current <laughs> agent. Um, she was willing to offer me um, representation, but based on the previous manuscript that had all of these various issues that I now realized were not things I wanted to be in the book. Mm. Um so I, I had to set up a bunch of different calls between Roseanne and Lauren, um, but Lauren was willing to offer me the representation without having to read the new manuscript. Um, like, she was totally willing to go that step. Uh, Roseanne got back to me after I let her know, and she said, you know, it's I'd love to offer you some representation, too. And... Um, one weekend uh, where I was very stressed out, I had a whole weekend to decide. and um, A whole weekend? Like, it's a, a long time. <laughs> uh, there's nothing better I have found than making a very big life decision at an Alyssa Edwards drag show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pride plates for that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so what happened? Like, well, I, we, we know how it ended up now because you yeah. spoiled it, Mason. But it's fine. It's <laughs> but but how did you end up deciding? So, in the in the email that Lauren sent me, um, whenever she whenever she came to me first, and she was like, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to work with you. Um, there was just there was. There was so much in her email that that really stuck out to me that she understood the basis of the story I was trying to tell and mm-hmm. who the story was for and why I wanted to tell it. And 
I just, I really like, I feel like Roseanne understood it too, but with Lauren, I just really felt like there was an instant connection, not just between her and the story, but between me and her. And I felt like that was the most important feeling to pursue in that situation. Cause I mean, with an agent, you want someone who's like going to be there for you. Um, the best way Lauren described it, uh, she said she would be the bad guy for whenever uh, the publishers were doing something I didn't really like, mm-hmm. which is what agent is supposed to do for you. Absolutely. Uh, so the following Monday, I get to work. I draft these two very nerve-wracking emails. One is a rejection. One is... Um, What's the word? At approval, I guess. I don't know. That sounds weird. Um, like, like an acceptance. An acceptance. Yeah, yeah. acceptance <laughs> um, of representation. And Lauren got back to me and she said, so it's official. Let's announce it on Twitter. And she sent over all of the forms and I filled them out and scanned it back. And by the end of the day, I had an agent. Yay. That's such a great story. I love that you were at a drag show when you had to decide. (laughs) That's my favorite. And I think so just to quickly, a quick aside. So we are giving away an arc of, I wish you all the best to anyone who listens to this podcast. And we're trying to figure out a good way to make sure people actually listen. And I think the (laughs) best way to do that is you have to DM the Write or Die podcast with where Mason was when they decided what agent they were going to go to. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can DM Write or Die um, Twitter... And let us know where Mason was when they made their decision. You will be entered to win an arc of I wish you all the best (laughs) directly from Scholastic. Perfect. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So I just want to. If you guys don't follow us on Twitter, it's write or die pod. So. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Kat, because I just. At the end. I didn't tell. And why aren't you following Ride or Die podcast already? Right, exactly. Great question. (laughs) Fix yourself. (laughs) Um, um, So I want to rewind a little bit um, to sort of like your process. Um, One of the things that you said is you did change the book from sort of college age to um, YA. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about sort of the thought process behind that? Why you, you decided to do that? Um, I wish it was a deep and meaningful answer, um, but I, it was mostly because I only attended two years of a community college before I dropped out, and I had no idea how an actual college works. I mean, I think that's a <laughs> so, good reason. <laughs> um, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in, like, in all honesty, um, it was... I've always been a big young adult fan. Um, mm. As much as I do enjoy adult fiction and things like that, like young adult is always the genre I go back to because I feel like uh, in a lot of areas, it's where we're getting a lot of representation that we're not getting in other genres. Absolutely. Um, so I, I really thought young adult is where I wanted to see myself whenever I was that age I wanted characters who were thinking the same thoughts as me who had the same feelings about gender and anxiety and depression and I I thought that that would be the best way to tell that story and 
the the people who I wanted to share it with were the people who feel the same now as I did growing up back then. And I wanted to make sure they didn't feel alone or like there was no one else in the world who felt the way they did. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think for MB teens, it's going to be such a great way for them to (laughs) see themselves in a book. Um, So was that difficult for you? Sort of like, because you told me that um, you sort of went through a journey of self-discovery yourself Mm -hmm. as you were writing this book. Mm -hmm. Was that difficult at any point? What, what was it like for you? Um, it was, it was tough in a lot of different ways. Um, because before I came out to even myself, I thought there was no way that I could really be non-binary because if you look online or back then, whenever I was like, looking to see like what all this meant. Um, I didn't match up with the ideals and the way that other non-binary folks look. There's, there's very much a, I want to say like almost like a template um, or there was, thankfully, I think that that's been eradicated a lot, but uh, you know, skinny, white, very androgynous, uh, not a hair on their body except for their eyebrows and brightly colored hair. And it was, it, it made me feel very othered in a way. Cause you know, I, back then I didn't have weird hair. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm fat. I'm not super, I'm white, but I'm not like super pale. I have body hair. Um, so I, I really wanted to write a story where Ben wasn't exactly your typical non-binary person. Um, they talk a lot about how often they have to shave their face because their facial hair makes them so uncomfortable and their body hair and the length of their own hair and the way their body is almost built. Um, it makes them very uncomfortable. It causes a lot of dysmorphia for Mm -hmm. them. And that was almost a way for me to sort of unpack what I had going on in my own head. That makes a lot of sense. And that's something that you know, somebody like me who doesn't identify the same way as you, I would never know that you were even going through those kinds of things or that, you know, non-binary mm-hmm. people go through those kinds of things. So I think it's important as both a reflection and sort of a lens into understanding what other people mm-hmm. are going through, especially yeah. for teens, you know. Yeah. Um, so now back to your journey. So you <laughs> so you got your agent now what? What happens next? So Lauren had to read the new version, obviously. Um, she had, like I said, she'd been willing to sign with me without having read that revised uh, version that I was happier with. So mm. she wanted to read it herself. So that took a little bit of time. And unfortunately, uh, fall it seems is not the best time to go on submission with a book. Uh, neither is the end of summer apparently, or even winter. I don't really know when the best time to go on submission <laughs> there's, is. There's literally never a good time to go on sub because I, I think there's like two days. 
yeah, yeah. I, it's like this it's like between 6 p.m and 8 52 p.m <laughs> on like april 17th or something yeah. I, I think i think that i think the only good times to go on sub is like literally like september 5th and then mm-hmm. like january 15th and then yeah. like that's it that's it <laughs> um the magic hour <laughs> Um, but she she laid it out for me. She said, you know, end of summer or summer at all isn't good because you know um, they have is it called like Publisher Fridays or something like that where like summer they, Fridays, yeah, yeah. Summer, it's called Summer um, Fridays, but mm-hmm. publishing is the people who do it. Yeah, <laughs> um, where they leave the office early and no one's really in the mood to like be acquiring things and meetings get canceled. Uh, fall is not the best because. Um, there are a bunch of shows going on, and so no one's in that mood to acquire them. Um, <laughs> winter, there's just a ton of holidays. So what we did was we sat on it for a bit, and I edited some stuff that Lauren pointed out to me that I thought would work better, changes that she and I agreed with. And then we actually um, we showcased the book in the agency's newsletter which is sent out to various publishing houses to sort of build a little bit of hype um before they go on submission so we did that and it was a lot of quiet from about september to mid-december when we actually sold the book uh between then i was a complete disaster and <laughs> it was a lot of feelings and it um just a lot of different emotions going through my head about how long I was on submission and it's of course it's listening to this I realized that that was not long at all it always for, feels long when you're in it though yes, that's the thing time you're, time you're works deep in that, compl- it's five months it's, yeah it feels like five years mm-hmm. yeah i know trust me i yelled at cat many times while she was on <laughs> submission but it's like you don't time doesn't work the same way when you're on submission really suddenly bad. like everything feels like forever so i totally get it um so uh, i uh, I actually, I struggle a lot with anxiety. So I was even telling myself, okay, well, it's only been seven weeks. That's not like an appropriate amount of time to ask Lauren for an update, even though it completely is. But anxiety is a big old liar. Um, So I asked Lauren once how things were going just for an update. She said we had gotten a lot of no's. People um, from a few different publishing houses had... Uh, the partials, I believe, and they were, you know, reading it and thinking it over. And I asked her for another update uh, around the beginning of December, and she actually said, I was just going to email you uh, because you have received an offer from Scholastic. Yay! Yay! And cue me crying at work again. Um, Your coworkers were like, uh-oh, it's Mason. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, I had, um, I didn't tell anybody at work except for my supervisor, and she was very supportive. So oh, thankfully, I, I just told her, I was like, I really have to go to the back, and I have to take these calls, like, right now. Can I please just leave for a second? And she's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Oh, um, good. 
And we, Lauren and I talked about it. Um, she gave me a few details. She said she still had some things to work out with Scholastic and Jeffrey, who is my editor. Um, but she eventually sent me the the whole letter from Scholastic um, that laid out not only like what Jeffrey thought, but also the other editors who had read it. Um, plus David Levithan, which was no, no big deal, wild, you know, um, and like the deal uh, terms and like what they were planning. And it was very overwhelming at first, but I, I kept reading the letter that Scholastic sent me. And I just, again, it was just such a gut feeling of Jeffrey knows exactly what I'm trying to do here and the story I want to tell the people I want this to reach. And it was, I, I really didn't have to consider anyone else. Uh, thankfully I didn't get any other offers. I do not know how my anxiety would have handled that, but, um, whenever Lauren knew my decision that I felt really comfortable going with Scholastic and push, um, she emailed the rest of the editors to get, their their feedback and their opinions about where they were and they all backed out and I signed the contracts and that was that all you need is that one yes and that yes it, it's still going to be a book and so many people are so excited about it and um actually a couple of people dm'd me when I said who do you guys want to see on the podcast and they were like me it's really good and it's it's really cool because it's sort of a testament to how powerful the community can be when they rally behind somebody um because i think that you know that definitely helped you um in terms of just everything and how would you say that it helped you personally like did it ever give you like a confidence boost? I'm sure having Becky sort of help you there also was nice. <laughs> yes. um, it was, it was almost like a, a double edged sword. Um, so on one side there was like, I felt really empowered about the story I was trying to tell. And I thought almost having a kind of built in audience who would want to support the book would like really help me. And it was, it was just a lot of support and it was the other side of the sword. It's almost overwhelming in a way. And it's very strange, um, sort of being out there and kind of updating everyone and mm-hmm. the feeling that kind of pressure, like, Oh, well, if like it doesn't sell and we shelve it and I start on another thing, like, what is that going to do for the stuff that I've, kind of accidentally built up around this story yeah um so it was it was both good and bad i think that makes sense um cat we always talk about this because of our dv pit journey because when we got our agents we both got a lot of um hype from the first dv pit Mm -hmm. and it was amazing but it was also like what if this doesn't work out though (laughs) (laughs) no it's definitely it's it's stressful because you always just assume that people are watching you waiting for you to fail just as much as they're waiting for you to succeed Mm -hmm. when really it's just your own anxiety. Like you were saying before, like anxiety is a huge liar, which literally when you said that, I was like, put it on a (laughs) t-shirt, 
put on a stitch on a pillow and I'm going to frame it because it's so true. And it's so important for people to be open and honest about their down moments. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. I think it's just really beautiful that your journey had so many ups and downs that you're, that you're so willing to share with people. Um, I think it's probably also why people are naturally rallying around you already because like they can tell the purity of like your intentions and your spirit. And I think that's beautiful. I also feel like even if this book hadn't sold, whatever you would have written next would have been just as inspirational. Oh, thank you so much. I agree. <laughs> Kat, that was so deep. <laughs> I was, it was actually like my excuse. Cause I kind of want to like, just ask you if there's anything you're working on. <laughs> I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> so, um, I I have a brain that doesn't quit, which is very unfortunate. Um, in the in the middle of trying to sell, I wish you all the best. I started a another book that I it, it's it's something. Um, <laughs> it's it's something. Um, I also um, after we had actually sold the book and I was waiting on more news because, you know, from December to selling it to March to being able to announce it, there's not a lot for me to really do besides a few edits at that point. So I started writing, um, another book that, uh, if I can get really deep for a second, um, I mean, Kat already started it, so... <laughs> yeah, we're in it. <laughs> I um, I kind of used that story as a way for me to get out the emotions and feelings that I was dealing with um, from the death of my father uh, the previous August. Um, oh gosh, Mason, so, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. It, was, um, it, was, it was a lot to deal with at that time, but I thought writing about it would would serve the same purpose that writing I wish you all the best had I could get out these feelings and these emotions um so I guess tiny spoiler alert that's the planned book to possibly if Scholastic wants it um they Lauren's better want board. it <laughs> yeah right come on Jeffrey <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's on board Jeffrey's on board but I am yeah. I am a debut author who has uh, not proven anything. Just oh my yet, god, so. you're gonna do so great! Don't even worry about <laughs> it. I'm not worried. Cat is not worried. Poncho not. is not worried. Nobody's worried. <laughs> Poncho is the biggest critic too. So. Yes, <laughs> he really is. Um, I um, would. Do you mind talking a little bit about sort of writing grief, or is that something that's uh, raw for you? Um, I mean, I can I can definitely talk about it. Um, the book is mostly kind of a secret, but it's um, my my main character um, deals with the loss of their not only their father but also they um, start to dive into their feelings about their own gender because. Uh, I'm not really interested in writing stories about cis protagonists. <laughs> um, totally valid. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So um, it's it's a mix of of them trying to deal with these very raw feelings because I mean there are there's still days where I feel like it's not quite real. Um, 
that all, everything that happened during that time was just like a really weird, vivid fever dream, and mm-hmm. it's gonna be fine. And um, it's actually it's um, because I'm a magnet for tragedy. I guess um, my mother actually just lost her best friend, um, who I was very close with, mm-hmm. and that's that's the same feeling in that I I almost feel like I've dreamed up that she's not here anymore and I'll never talk to her again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so it's it's very raw it's very it's a very open wound um I've actually this is strange I found the best way to balance writing that out because I'm pulling a lot of stuff out of a lot of dark places um I'll listen to old episodes of my favorite murder <laughs> uh yeah that's uh you are in the correct place my friend yeah we're both obsessed with yeah. that podcast <laughs> my favorite murder has literally been involved in like moments that have changed our lives mm-hmm. like right clara but, like it's been in like 100 yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and i can definitely relate to pretty much everything that you are talking about because my first YA that I wrote was sort of like on the heels of losing my brother to cancer and it was a way for me to sort of not only write through my grief but have something to hold on to that was like this is not a person that can leave it's a book that I yes. wrote and it's my world um and yeah my favorite murder is like it brings anxious people together. It really does. <laughs> it's like it for all of us. I I've never heard of a community that ha- that like has so consistently taken people out of their shell where they will lit- like an yeah. anxious person will literally go to like one of the live shows alone mm-hmm. and then make three new best friends. Yeah. I've yeah. heard that so many times. We made a friend at the live show who went by we herself did. and she mm-hmm. just sat next to us and we chatted with her the whole night. It was amazing. Oh. Yeah. It was yeah. I and, and I was like, oh well then maybe that won't be maybe that's just like rare and random. It's like it literally like you get you sneeze and someone is your best friend yeah yeah it Um, was it was great and I feel like that um they really show that off um I think it was like a I don't know how long of an episode it was but they spent the entire like first half rattling off the different sub communities within the murderino group like all the facebook groups and it was amazing i know i'm part of the writerino group and the simmerino group because of that episode (laughs) simmerino group yeah claire will you invited me to the writerino group yeah it's good and it was so funny because i did like an there was like an intro thread and i was like hi i'm here and somebody was like oh my god hi like because they knew me from twitter and i was like oh hey what's up um so it's it's really cool and there's actually a grieferino group too which can be a little bit hard sometimes but um can also be really helpful and like sort of cathartic if you're like in the mood to like talk about stuff um so yeah my favorite murder is just amazing Yes, I'll tweet at Georgia about this episode because she, <laughs> she does follow me, but she's never interacted with me. Come on, Georgia. I know, Georgia. I know. Come oh. on. <laughs> we have so many feelings. We want to share them with you. <laughs> we just want to be your best friend. Is that so much to ask? Gosh. Yeah, it's just whatever. But I think, you know, I think it's really um, just kind of like going back around to the whole uh, writing as kind of like a therapy for going through these dark moments. I I, I love that because I think that, uh, you know, it's 
it's both like a gift and a curse, like a writer sharing so much of themselves in their work with their readers. Like I, whenever I'm reading someone's book, like, um, I don't know if you've read like Emily XR pans, uh, the astonishing color of after, mm-hmm. like, like it's, it's a it's beautiful exploration of grief and, and you can feel like this rawness to it. And it felt, it feels like a gift when you're reading books like that. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful thing to experience as just a reader, like not even the writer side of me. And, and I love that. But I also think that the writer side of me does acknowledge the fact that this is the, even though it's therapy, it's, it's painful at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're pulling this out of yourself. I think that's I think that's kind of um, just something that is is such a an in, a nuanced part of the writer community. Mm-hmm. I I always I've had a few people ask me um, like how did you how did you even get started um, on the just the bare bones idea and my go to piece of advice is to find some truth about yourself and just write from that, whether it's sexuality, gender, um, your religion, ethnicity, where you're from, how you grew up, your relationship with your parents. Like if, if you can pull even a little bit of your own authenticity out of that and sort of try to work with that, that's a good first step. Oh, for sure. That's such good advice. I love that. I'm like writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Taking notes. Yes, I'm taking some notes here. Please continue talking. <laughs> um, and then I guess to go back to the the things I'm working on, um, I'm right now in the middle of editing a a middle grade uh, a book. Middle grade is the best. <laughs> everybody write middle grade. Not everybody. <laughs> Just kidding. Just the people we like. (laughs) More people writing middle grade. Just hold off, guys. (laughs) So is your your middle grade uh, like grounded, like contemporary or is it fantasy? Um, I found I have a lot of trouble writing fantasy books. So it's it's definitely contemporary. Um, It is the product of four days of writing without stopping (laughs) so 40 I think my final count before I started adding to it with edits was like 42,000 words in four days oh my Um, god it was it was a lot I um so Jay Coles um who wrote Tyler Johnson was here he had tweeted earlier that week that um he I think like blocked Twitter on his laptop and had completed a very messy, hastily written 70,000 word uh, manuscript in seven days. And that kind of lit a fire under me because I had thought about this idea that I was just going to say for NaNoWriMo and work on it then um, of a a boy who discovers that he might be non-binary through the course of the book um, and he mostly figures it out because there is a character on his favorite animated show that uses they, them pronouns. And it was, again, uh, part of my personal journey in unpacking um, characters like Stevani from Steven Universe, who is the first, I believe, the first uh, animated character who uses they, them pronouns. And Rebecca Sugar has said Stevani is non-binary. Uh, so I pulled a lot of 
you know, how that show itself um, helped me during that whole time and what I was feeling and how having a character like Stevani made me feel who is a, not a typical, go back to like the whole, you know, androgynous look type thing where, you know, there's even a, there's even a series of episodes later on where Stevani is stuck on an Island and I won't reveal it for spoiler reasons. Um, but they're stuck on an island for a few days and like they start to grow stubble and like five o'clock shadow on their face. And just even having that little bit of representation on a screen from one of my favorite shows just like really, really helped me. So I wanted to write a little bit about that, too. That sounds really cool and interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I, f- I feel like, you know, books at the middle grade level that are like that are really important. Um, so... Hopefully that all works out well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Everyone who's on the show, we ask them to share either their most embarrassing (laughs) publishing moment or something they wish they'd known before they started. Now you can do either or. It's up to you. Take it away. Um, I will pick both because I have something to say for both. Yes. Um, My favorite. (laughs) Thankfully, my my most embarrassing like publishing story is not like super duper embarrassing, but um, around January, after we had sold the book and I was editing, um, Jeffrey uh, left some notes in the version of the manuscript that I was editing, and I think there were also some other copy editor notes in there too, and originally. I had just said, I wish you all the best in a fictional North Carolina town. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I thought that would be easier for what I was trying to do. And they were like, maybe you should set it in a real place. Um, cause I, I made up everything like the town names, the colleges in the area, the high schools, everything. And so I was like, okay, I'll set it in, um, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is close to where I grew up. And I changed the setting in the first chapter and then neglected to change it through the rest of the book. (laughs) So that was sent back to Jeffrey. And I don't want to imagine how confused he was, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty tough to, to realize when he emailed me back. (laughs) Um, The, the, the thing I wish I had known when, even before I started this journey is that patience is it's not something everyone has but it is something you will 100% need in this industry mm-hmm. um because i guess relatively speaking my journey seems fairly short it's less than it's a little over a year from like me finishing it to it selling but that includes so many months of waiting for emails, refreshing my email inbox to check and see if anyone had even replied to me. Um, a lot of months even waiting to announce that you have sold the book, uh, even longer to get the cover and then more waiting to get the chance to reveal that and waiting in between manuscripts and edits and, then there just comes a point in time where there's nothing happening. So it's literally just you and about five months between you and release day. (laughs) And patience is 
something that you desperately need when you want to be a writer. <laughs> that is so true. And if like publishing will teach you patience. They, like one way or another <laughs> you'll yeah. have to learn you will learn the hard way or the easy way <laughs> yeah. so well, let's be honest there is no easy way to learn it's yeah. all the hard way it's all, it's, it's all suffering Pretty it's much. all suffering but it's worth it in the end yes it is. Yeah. and yeah. it's it's amazing to have the opportunity to have our books out there and to sort of like have the opportunity to have an audience because there's so many authors still working towards like the first steps, you know? So Mm -hmm. even though it's so hard to wait, it's still all for, it'll be, it'll be so worth it once you get that, that first yes. And then hopefully that second yes from a publisher, it'll be worth it. Absolutely. And then you'll, I mean, you never really forget the suffering, but like, it doesn't matter as much Mm -hmm. once you get to that point. Like when you're querying when you're on sub it feels so all-consuming and then like once you get past that step it's like oh no, it wasn't that bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i look at it and that was just that was literally just two months like it, in retrospect it's not it's it's so much shorter than what the people have had to go through and just looking back on it now that was that was two months of waiting like that wasn't that bad right but I think that it's also important to acknowledge that like as a marginalized author you also go through things that like someone who doesn't identify the same way as you would have to go through like you were dealing with like grappling with all of these like identity issues and not everyone has to go through that and there's so much sort of unpacking that you have to do and it can be really painful sometimes Mm -hmm. to write those narratives so also you know, that's an added layer of sort of like suffering um, that marginalized authors have to go through. And also just like being afraid of no one getting your book or no one wanting to sign you because of those things. Um, I think that's always like a huge thing that you have to sort of overcome on top of like just normal rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I was I was very lucky to to have Lauren and Jeffrey as two people who just very much understood the heart of what I was trying to get at. So that was very, very incredibly lucky. Yeah, it's great. And we need more people like that to bring marginalized authors to the table um, to mm-hmm. tell their stories because they're so important, especially for kids to read about them. Um, yes. So I'm so excited for I wish you all the best. And again, Everyone who's listening, if you want to win an ARC, you can. You just have to DM Write or Die Pod on Twitter. Let us know where Mason was when they made their decision about their agent. <laughs> We're not going to tell you where in the podcast that happens. You yeah. have to listen to it, okay? Don't be sneaky. Um, <laughs> so go ahead and do that. And then I guess we can pick a winner after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. At some point, we'll talk about it on Twitter. Um, Mason, where can everyone follow you online? So uh, I unfortunately am not one of those lucky people who was able to grab like all the same handle across uh, all the different websites. So uh, Twitter, I am just at Mason Deaver. My last name is D-E-A-V-E-R. Um, on Instagram, I am Mason underscore Deaver. And my website is masonbeaverwrites.com. 
<laughs> Yay. <laughs> so everybody go follow Mason, pre-order their book. It's coming out like pretty soon, not to freak you out, but it's coming up. Gosh, Clarabelle, no one's going to be on our podcast anymore. <laughs> Go on yeah. or die and get a full on anxiety attack. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and also have fun. <laughs> yeah. Until you die of anxiety. <laughs> It'll be a lovely death though. <laughs> All right, Mason, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's you. been really great talking to you and learning more about your journey. Super excited about your book. Um, Thank you both so much. Yeah, of course. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Fright or Die. Please don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes below and follow me on Twitter at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. See you next week.